Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. The voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. You sound like you're from London. I don't want your life. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. Welcome to the movie showdown with rock and rob my name is rob mansfield and with me he always wanted to be the fourth sanderson sister it's alex rockline hey rob how's it going ready to get spooky this week oh halloween week here at the movie showdown i am excited are you excited i'm excited i'm not looking forward to get spooked but i'm looking forward to talk movies So the rock question of the week. You grew up right outside Salem, Massachusetts. Do you believe in witches? Uh, No, I don't believe in witches. I believe that people practice witchcraft. I don't think it's real. Huh, interesting. I don't believe in in supernatural witches. Do you believe in anything supernatural? I don't know. No, maybe, yeah. A little bit of both, Rob. I'm skeptical. Who knows what's out there? There's definitely people that are going to give us some flack for this either way. So... (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say subject change. Tell me what it was like growing up next to Salem. So that just really meant growing up in school. Every year we would do like a lesson on the Salem Witch Trials, read a book, maybe read a play, go visit historical landmarks, which most times were just, you know, a bare patch of land that was, oh, this (laughs) used to be a house 300 years ago. And we were like, great. Yeah, and they took place in 1692, 1693, and Salem is just 300 years later. That's their thing. They still capitalize on that. There were some really great town marketers back in the early 1700s that were like, you know what? Maybe people pay a lot of money to come see this stuff. Yeah, and there's like so many museums and historical landmarks. The school's named after it. Even the newspaper's logo is a witch on a broom. It's like, come on. So Rob, have you ever been to Salem on Halloween? So I actually have been. Alex and I went to college together on the North Shore of Massachusetts, a few minutes away from Salem. And my freshman year of college, we were all dumb 18-year-olds that thought it would be really cool to hop on the train and head into Salem. And I didn't really know what to expect. We were all wearing old school basketball jerseys. I'm pretty sure I had a baby blue Penny Hardaway jersey on. So we went in and it was nothing like what I expected. I expected just really Halloween type stuff, trick-or-treating, kind of the stuff you see in movies. And we got there and there is no joke about 100,000 plus people in the city on Halloween night. And it felt more like a mosh pit for the Warp Tour than it Mm. did Halloween night. This is not a detriment to Salem on Halloween. I'm sure there are some really cool, exciting things to do. My advice to people is always, if you're going to go, go around Halloween, not on Halloween. I've been to Salem many times in my life, of course. And even in the month of October leading up to Halloween, people still dress up and walk around middle of the day. Oh, yeah. So it's a it's a spectacle in the whole month, even to the point. So years and years ago, we got a cat from a shelter in Salem, black cat, and it was in October. The person who worked there said, well, you can adopt this cat. That's fine. But if you were to come like a week from now, we wouldn't let you do it because a lot of people will adopt black cats for Halloween and then take them back or just like dump them somewhere. Oh, man, that's just terrible. Yeah, it's really sad. And we're like, we promise we're not going to do that. The cat did end up being I don't want to talk ill of of the deceased, but. 
I think that cat was possessed. And maybe going back to the supernatural, maybe I do. Maybe I changed my mind on that Was that the cat that tried to cut me? Yeah, yeah. I still have multiple scars from this cat biting and attacking. A little detour just to talk about that cat. One time I was at Alex's house and we were hanging out and that cat came and perched itself right on my shoulder. And Alex and his wife, Abby, were staring at me with this kind of uneasy grin on their face. So I said, what? What's going on? And they said, oh, nothing. Just don't make any sudden movements. I was like, why? And they said, well, the cat legitimately may try to slice you. And it just for I want to say the next hour, I sat as still as I could. And this cat was just staring me down until finally, I think I asked, can you please handle this cat? And I'm pretty sure there was some fear in your eyes when you were coming over to try to handle it. I think that cat fed on fear and they would know who was uncomfortable and it would just sit on them. Every person that came over and interacted with the cat, we had to say, don't make any sudden movements because it was also very fidgety and uh, finicky and like any sound or anything. If you sneezed, if if like the cat was like on Abby and I was like, I have to sneeze, we'd have to like prepare. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that cat was something else. I did go into Salem once or twice as an adult on Halloween. We had friends that lived like right on the city limits. And so we would just walk towards downtown and kind of observe from a distance. Yeah, I never did go in. Uh, my sister used to go in a lot. When you visited, Rob, we used to live right. I'm not I'm not joking. Right on the line. Mm-hmm. The town I lived in was Peabody and Salem was right next to it. And there was also another town, Danvers, on the other side. Very close. There are three towns, pretty tight to each other. So, you know, easy to hop back and forth. When we lived in that apartment, we figured, oh, we're going to get all these kids. We're basically in Salem. And Salem is like the capital of Halloween, as everyone knows. So like we got all the candy. We're, we're, we're getting ready now. Halloween, last day of October, so it it falls right before the start of November. Now, are you familiar with Movember, Rob? Uh, I am. I cannot grow a beard, so I feel signaled out by Movember, but I am familiar. But you're familiar with it. Okay, that's all that counts. So so one year, my work team, all the guys, you know, we're going we're gonna to do Movember this year. So for those of you who don't know what Movember is, grow mustache, you raise money for men's health issues. I always have a beard. So I figured start with the beard. I'll shave down to a mustache. But, you know, as I'm shaving, I'm doing all the funny hair stuff, you know, like the mutton chops. And then I'm doing like the Fu Manchu. And that's like my Halloween costume for the night. I feel like (laughs) I'm participating. So anyway, I get down to the mustache all this time checking in any trick-or-treaters no trick-or-treaters okay that's that's weird so i ran out to get food so i go into the next town over danvers and sure enough driving down the street there's all these kids everywhere i'm like you know two miles from our house i called abby up and i said any trick-or-treaters yet no 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 trick-or-treaters i'm like they're all in danvers like they're all down here she's like oh okay just like roll down your window and call out just say hey like (laughs) we have candy (laughs) now First of all, I'm never going to do that anyway. But mind you, I had just shaven my face down to a (laughs) mustache, which I can't pull off a mustache. And here's Abby suggesting, not even thinking, that I lure these children back to our house for candy on Halloween. Wow. I did not do that. I I respectfully declined that. That's good. You would have ended up on a list. I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast with you, I'm sure. Uh, That's actually quite a hilarious story. That's probably my most memorable Halloween Oh, man. Was Halloween big for you growing up? No, it wasn't. We weren't like a Halloween trick-or-treating family. Even my neighborhood growing up, there weren't a lot of kids. Like, we never really got any trick-or-treaters. That's surprising because 
I'm familiar with the neighborhood Alex grew up in. I lived in that house That's true. for a while. That's for another day. We can talk about that. But it does seem like a neighborhood that would have really good trick-or-treating. Yeah, and that's what was always surprising to me, that we just, you know, a handful here and there. But I think that was part of, like, the reason we never really got into it. Hmm. You know, if our friends were out and doing it, like, well, let's go out with them. But Yeah, yeah. What about now? Yeah, now, I mean, especially when you're a parent, my daughter is super into it, and she loves dressing up, like, to the point where Halloween will come and go and then a week later all right so next year i think i'm gonna be you know when it changes at least you know 20 to 30 times throughout the year yeah it's fun yeah. it's fun to walk around the neighborhood i'm in now is very kid friendly i did enjoy halloween growing up we went out trick-or-treating had a lot of fun used to love coming back sorting through all the candy at the end of the night as a mm-hmm. kid with my brother and friends but now that I have children of my own, it just takes it to the next level. And my wife was similar to you. I mean, they would dress up, but they didn't really do a ton of trick-or-treating growing up. And so now she's living life vicariously through our children too and is all into it. So we'll dress up. We probably only have a couple years left of this, but we'll do like family costumes. Yeah, that's fun. This year, we're all doing Ninja Turtles. Oh, so that'll be uh, that'll man, be cool. I'm jealous. It's a lot of fun. And we live in a really good Halloween neighborhood now, too. And then as a dad, it's nice. You get to do the dad tax on the candy. Whoop! I like that. Yeah. I'm going to take some or of these. you won't like this. I know you don't like this. I'll take it. This Twix bar is really spicy. This it's is really yeah, spicy. spicy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word we use. Let's pivot. You know, we are a movie podcast. Let's talk a little bit about entertainment here. What are your thoughts on Halloween movies or TV show episodes? I think there's like kind of two ways to look at Halloween and how it's portrayed in entertainment. Obviously, there's the spooky and scary and all that. And then you also have the other side of it, a more lighthearted thinking like Brooklyn Nine-Nine with the Halloween heist episodes. Uh, yep. Even Superstore, they all dressed up every year. It's like it was a it was an episode to look forward to. Yeah, I absolutely love Halloween themed episodes. Probably my favorite is they did a horror Halloween episode of Boy Meets World. Yes. That Jennifer Love Hewitt guest starred on. That still holds up. I'll still watch that to this day in October. I'm like, I'm going to pop it on. It was 20 minutes. This is going to be great. I remember being scared watching that episode. A little fun fact can I throw in there? Do you know that's the highest rated Boy Meets World episode according to IMDb? Wow. No, I did not know that. Did you know that Will Friedle was dating Jennifer Love Hewitt when they filmed that episode? I did not know that. No, good for him, man. Yeah. So the two movies that we chose for this year's Halloween-themed episode, Hocus Pocus and Jennifer's Body. Two, on the outset, very different movies, but I think as we kind of go through it, you'll see there are definitely some similarities. So Alex, tell me about Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, a dumb teenage boy trying to impress a girl accidentally brings back three witches that feed on the souls of children. Also, a dead zombie comes out of the grave and loses his head. And a boy is turned into a cat and then dies. And did we mention that this is a kids movie? <laughs> do you, Rob, do you like scary movies? Oh, man, not overly. I like the thought of certain scary movies, and I do like some scary movies. I'm a big fan of the Scream movies. I more so like horror comedies, though. Yeah. Which is why I think you'll see I chose the movie that I chose. But, you know, I like Zombieland, Shaun of the Dead, but just straight horror movies. I can respect them, but it's not going to be something that I personally choose. I'm not big on jump scares. And now they're all about the fake out jump scare turned into the jump scare. Because you can kind of see them coming, right? You're like, okay, the one's coming. Oh, And then they get you and you're like, yeah, yeah. So what about you? My sister is a big horror movie. 
movie fan and she would always try to get me to, to watch them. I think she made me watch What Lies Beneath once and oh man, that sent me back a few years. Which sister? Christy. Shout out Christy. But it's funny because we also have a lot of movies in common that we really like, but I just, I can never do the horror. All right, so let me give you a little background about Hocus Pocus. It was directed by Kenny Ortega. David Kirshner, one of the writers, actually made the story up by telling his daughter about a black cat that they saw once and that it used to be a boy. I wonder if your evil cat was once a boy. Maybe there was a soul trapped in that cat and is just asking for help. Man. Budget for Hocus Pocus was $28 million. Box office brought in $47.7 million. I think a lot of this can attribute to when it was released. It came out July 16th, 1993. Oh, perfect time for a Halloween movie to come out. The studio thought that they could capitalize on children being home from school in the summertime. What they didn't plan on were some of the other movies that were also in theaters at the time, including Jurassic Park. This movie came out 30 years ago. In fact, the cast was planning to go to Salem this year. Celebrate. That's kind of cool. As we said, the July release definitely hurt it, but it did grow and grow every year in popularity. In October alone, the DVD has been making about a million dollars a year. Also, the 31 Nights of Halloween helped give it some more airtime. Yeah, I feel like that movie was on every other night on 31 Nights of Halloween. It's definitely gained more of a presence in pop culture. You got the sequel out now. There's a Lego set that's currently $230, so... This movie received a Rotten Tomato score of 40%. Oh my gosh. A Google score of 86%. Is that the highest Google score we've had? That might be. That's really high. I feel like the people know. The critics don't. I like to put that in there because you have the Rotten Tomato score, which is a congregate score of all the critics. And a lot of people don't take Rotten Tomato score seriously. I like using it as a baseline because it gives a consensus of the critics. But then I want to compare it to the Google audience score. What do the actual people that watch these movies think? That's a massive difference. That's 46% difference. Hocus Pocus 2 actually has a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. So not only is it higher, but is also ineligible for our podcast. Did you see Hocus Pocus 2? I have not seen Hocus Pocus 2, have you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched it the day it was released. I think I read somewhere that it was like the biggest premiere on Disney Plus, and I definitely added to that. It's crazy to me that it's higher reviewed than the first one. Do you think it's like recency bias or because it's become more of a, a yeah. I guess, cult classic that it's, you know, we can kind of throw away that 40%? Yeah. People have fond memories of the first one. So when they're reviewing the second one, they're taking that into account. Originally, this movie was pitched to Steven Spielberg under the title Disney's Halloween House. I honestly think this movie would be phenomenal if Spielberg directed it. I would agree. I would I would like to see. Don't you wish there was a way? Be like, man, I wish they both made a cut. Hocus Pocus is great, but Spielberg has such a way of crafting these movies, specifically kid-driven movies. I think this movie would have been unbelievable with him at the yeah. helm. Yeah, definitely. All right, Rob, tell me about Jennifer's body. The summary of Jennifer's body, a demon-possessed teenage girl eats boys because a dumb band believed she was a virgin and sacrificed her. Released September 18th, 2009, Karen Kusama is the director and was written by Academy Award winner Diablo Cody. I find the name Diablo to be fitting for the writer of this movie as it deals with a lot of demon, satanic type stuff. That's a great name. Her real name is Brooke. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Yeah. It had a budget of 16 million and a box office of 31.6 million, much like Hocus Pocus, considered a bomb. Rotten Tomatoes score of 46%, Google audience score of 80%. 
this movie was not considered a success. Obviously, the critics didn't love it. Audience didn't really flock to it. But in the years since, there's been so much discourse about how this movie was very misunderstood, very mismarketed, and how it's actually a really good, strong, female-driven feminist movie. I don't know if you remember the trailers and the marketing. They basically marketed this movie to young men around the star Megan Fox. And everybody involved in the movie did not want that to happen because they knew that wasn't the type of movie that they were making. But the studios did what they did, and it uh, it didn't work. But but it's nice to see that it is gaining a lot of momentum and kind of getting its due. I think getting back to your comment about marketing, you even wonder if the title has something to do with how it was perceived before anyone even saw it. Oh, yeah. The title, Jennifer's Body. The first poster they had was Megan Fox sitting in a very seductive pose, skimpy outfit. I remember even the trailers. It was like every glamour shot of Megan Fox thrown into it. And if they would have just embraced the movie for what it was, I think they would have gotten a much more diverse audience pool. Yeah, definitely. Well, I liked both these movies. I'm excited to get into these rounds, see who comes out on top. How about you? Ready for this? I'm ready for this. All right, let's do it. Round one, best cast or overall performance? Hocus Pocus. So this stars Bette Midler as Winifred Sanderson, kind of the lead of the three sisters. Bette Midler, very famous actress, singer. Sarah Jessica Parker plays Sarah Sanderson. She's funny in this. She's definitely probably the zaniest. I just feel like she didn't get a script for this movie. It was just told to be (laughs) weird. And she pulled it off. I loved her in it. She was hilarious. No, she was hilarious. That's what I'm saying. She's so good. Bette Midler is great, but I thought Sarah Jessica Parker stole some scenes. Absolutely. She's just weird, but a funny weird. Like, they're all weird, but yeah. just like her quirks and her little comments. Farewell, mortal bus boy. I thought her character was very entertaining. Yeah. And then you have Kathy Najimy. She plays Mary Sanderson. She was good, but that tongue thing she kept doing just grossed me out so much. What word would you use to describe her character? If Winifred was the leader... I mean, is it bad that the first thing that came to my mind when you said describe her was New England gruff? New England gruff. Yeah, I can see. I mean, to be fair, she she's from New England. She's like somebody's <laughs> somebody's auntie from the corner that yeah. chases the kids off with some pots and pans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say she's the she's the gruff one for sure. In their own right, they were all great. Such iconic things that they've done that have still transcend the culture today. The Sanderson sister walk, that mm-hmm. like all in one thing. I mean, yep. you still see that all over. They all did a great job. I think they had a, a really good chemistry on screen. There was a lot of screaming, <laughs> but hey, they're yeah. sisters. Also in this movie is Omri Katz. He plays Max Dennison. He said that he was high during a lot of the filming. Is this part of the California stereotype? Kind of a weird flex. To come out and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was so high during the filming of that movie, especially because like he didn't really go on to do that much after this. Right. Right. So I don't know, man. Maybe uh, maybe just keep that to yourself. I thought his character was really interesting. You know, he shows up. He's at school for a week. Where does this kid get the confidence? He says to the teacher, oh, give me a break. And then he stands up and he gives Allison his number in the middle of class. Like who? Who has the confidence to do that? In the middle of class. Yeah. Like the, the <laughs> middle of class. It's insanity. He's got the California stereotype with the tie dye from LA. I didn't really think of tie dye as a California stereotype, but um, sure. I don't know. 
I always loved the drum scene where he went back to his room and he's like throwing a little temper tantrum and then he mm-hmm. starts drumming. And for the longest time, I thought I could drum because I could do the beat of that just with my hands and realized I have no musical talent at all. But <laughs> you're no Max Dennison drum. No, no. I'm, but he I'm pretty sure that's all he could do, too. Well, do you know that the role of Max Dennison was actually originally offered to Leonardo DiCaprio? Wow. Imagine imagine if we got a Leo Spielberg hocus pocus. Oh my gosh. I mean, we're talking like Oscar potential. (laughs) This could be Oscar potential. I don't know. That would be amazing. I'll tell you one thing though. Leo is definitely not hugging that pillow moaning Allison if he's taking that role. He's, I have a couple notes here. Can we not do that? I'm going to take this character in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That would be a great movie. Also starring in this movie is Jason Marsden. He is Max in the Goofy movie, also in Boy Meets World. I love the Goofy movie. I don't know if I've ever seen the Goofy movie. Oh, man. I don't want to admit that. Is it under... Please be bad. I do that all the time now when I look at movies. I'm like, please be bad. Please be bad. Yes. 59%. <laughs> so it's it. just We're coming it. in. It's, it's going to be. That'll be. That'll have to be our first animated movie we do. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. All right. I'm that'll be a good one. So this is interesting. So Jason Marsden actually is the voice of Binks the cat and Thackeray, the character from 300 years prior. Sean Murray plays the actor, but Jason Marsden dubbed over the voice Hmm. okay if you go into the movie with that knowledge and you watch it there's some disconnect it is kind of odd the reason for this is they thought that the actor sounded contemporary and they thought it would be more realistic if banks had an affected accent from the same time period as the witches don't you think they could have saved themselves some money by just asking the actor to speak in a affected accent? And maybe he was like, what does that mean? Yeah. There's actually a long list of people who are offered roles in this movie that ultimately were not cast. Rosie O'Donnell turned down the role of Mary Sanderson. Hmm. Cloris Leachman was the producer's first choice to play Winifred. Jennifer Lopez auditioned for the role of Sarah Sanderson. And Diane Keaton was also considered for the role of Winifred. Honestly, all of them probably could have done a good job. Those are some good names, yeah. It's just yeah. interesting how you can land on the cast that you land, which is a good cast, Yeah, and then also have all these as like backups or like people they were considering. And yeah, yeah. in their own right, they're all big names. But like I mentioned before, the chemistry of the three was really good. So ultimately, I am content with the direction they went. Yeah, I agree. All right, let me talk a little bit about Jennifer's Body. So it stars Megan Fox, who blasts onto the scene in the Transformers movie, quite literally opening the hood of a car. I don't know if you remember that scene. Oh, I think everyone remembers that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what the movie was about. Nope. Nope. But I remember that scene. Megan Fox plays the lead character, Jennifer Check. Her best friend, Needy, was played by Amanda Seyfried. She actually won Best Scared Performance from the MTV Movie Awards, which, you know, MTV Movie Awards is not a glorified award show, but uh, I like it. She got a moon man? Yeah, she got a moon man. That's great. I don't have a moon man. We have also got... Adam Brody, who plays Nikolai. Adam Brody, of course, from the OC. Adam Brody wasn't in this a ton, but I think he he did a lot with what he was given. So Adam Brody is the lead singer of a band that sold their soul to the devil to be famous. And I found this line really funny in the movie when he's talking about why they're doing this. Do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? There's so many of us. And we're all so cute, and it's like if you don't get on Letterman or some <laughs> soundtrack, you're screwed. Okay? 
which I think was interesting because the OC, which Adam Brody starred on, was huge in launching the careers of a ton of indie bands. So I don't know if that was a subtle little jab to the OC there, but I liked it. His band's name was Low Shoulder, which I think is a pretty cool band name. Do you have any fictional band names that you like? I mean, Spinal Tap. That's like classic. Stillwater yep. from Almost Famous. Yep. Uh, I think my all-time favorite is Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem from The Muppet Show. <laughs> nice. That's nice. a great one. I'm a big fan of the Blues Brothers and then uh, the Wonders or Oneaters from That Thing You Do. Mm, that's a good one. What about any of the band names from Chris Pratt's monologue in Parks and Rec? They ultimately <laughs> become Mouse Rat. Funny you mentioned Chris Pratt. He also was in this movie for approximately 37 seconds. Chris Pratt of the Jurassic World movies. He's also Star-Lord in the Marvel movies. We have also got Johnny Simmons, who plays Chip. He was okay. He had some funny lines, like during the uh, love scene, and Needy's getting scared from these visions she's having, and he's like, am I too big? (laughs) I liked him. He was very endearing. Yeah. He wasn't a jerk. I liked him, but yeah, I know what you mean. He was fine, but... I would have thought they could have gotten a bigger name, but that wasn't the point of this movie. This was a female-driven movie. They didn't need him to be some big star. They needed him to serve his purpose, which he did. Also, in an unspeaking role, we have Bill Fagerbaki, who was Jonas's dad. He had some scenes that were cut, but he is actually the voice of Patrick from SpongeBob. Hey, SpongeBob. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's all I got. And, uh, And he played Marshall Erickson's dad in How I Met Your Mother. Last... But certainly not least, Academy Award winner J.K. Simmons was in this movie, and I thought in his little amount of work was hilarious. No relation to Johnny Simmons. I actually thought it was interesting that Emma Stone and Brie Larson were considered for the role of Needy and that Blake Lively turned down the role of Jennifer. Interesting. Movie probably could have worked with any of them, too. Yeah, absolutely. I do like Emma Stone a lot. Emma Stone's really good. She would have brought even more levity to the movie than there already was. I mean, she's hilarious. Yeah, definitely would have been a different take on the character. I like the direction they went in. All right. You always like to provide us with insight into either Friends or Seinfeld overlap. What do you got for me this week? I got something a little bit different. I have an overlap from Friends and Hocus Pocus, but it's not what you think it is, Rob. If you're watching Hocus Pocus, just about uh, an hour into the movie, the kids think they have defeated the Sanderson sisters and they're celebrating. Max is kind of spinning down the street like a weirdo. The girls are in the park and they're doing cartwheels. They're excited. I don't know if you noticed, but while the girls are celebrating, if you look behind them, there is a fountain. And if that fountain looks familiar to you, that is because it is the same fountain from the iconic Friends theme song that they hang out and splash around in. Wow, this might be the best connection we've gotten yet. This is a good connection. So actually, Hocus Pocus was released a year before Ross, Rachel, Joey, Chandler, Monica, and Phoebe made their first appearance on television. The fountain is actually located on the Warner Brothers lot in Los Angeles. But through the power of video editing, friends, they add the New York City skyline in the background to make it feel like you're in New York. And in Hocus Pocus, they have the trees with the fall colored leaves. So if you were planning to make a trip to Salem to kind of do some sightseeing, with all the historical landmarks from the movie, you will not find this fountain there. But you will find a statue dedicated to the 1960s show Bewitched. Oh, random. Very random. I kind of love that connection, and I can't wait to do a little Google searching after this to see if I can compare pictures. 
Gut instinct, first reaction, what do you got? Who's winning this round? Yeah, first reaction, as much as I love, we talked about the chemistry, the sisters. Overall, I think I lean more towards Jennifer's body, more for the quality and acting. The casts are great in both. I think with Jennifer's body, you get a little more star power. You know, that's kind of taken off since then, whereas Hocus Pocus, the younger actors really didn't go anywhere after this. I'm going to take it. I agree with you. Bette Midler is a presence. Sarah Jessica Parker has gone on to do some really great things, but top to bottom, honestly, Megan Fox, who headlined this movie, isn't even close to the biggest star that came out from this. Right. You know, you have Academy Award winners in minor roles. I think we got to go Jennifer's body here. Yeah. It's all you, Rob. All right. Jennifer's body leads one nothing. Heading into round two, best line or moments. What's your favorite stuff? From Hocus Pocus. There's some memorable parts in this movie, beginning when we're back in the 1693. Let's brew another batch. You hag! There are not enough children in the world to make thee young and beautiful. Uh oh. Sisters, did you hear what he called you? One of my favorite parts is when, when Max and Danny meet up with Allison, and Danny's like, Max, what do you call them? He likes your what are they? What do you call them? Your yabos. <laughs> that's that's such a good word. Well, for, such a good little sister moment too. It's perfect. Yeah, of course you got to throw the embarrassment in there. Of course, you have the candle lighting scene. That's a classic. That's a really good scene. The scene too. I'm thinking when the sisters are out hunting and they see all the trick or treaters and they just don't realize they're actually <laughs> that's children. So good. Yeah, like, I smell children, but I don't see children. And then the kid in the angel costume says, bless you. Bless you. That's funny. That's good. That's good stuff. Can I tell you what I think is the worst moment in this movie? Yeah, hit me. I find it so weird when they're out trick-or-treating, Max and Danny, and they get in an argument, and then Danny just randomly collapses in some house's pumpkin and hay. If I saw a kid just laying in the pumpkins in front of my house, I'd be so annoyed. I'd be like, I know it's Halloween. Please get out of my pumpkin. Paid money for those pumpkins. Get, get away from them. It was so dramatic. <laughs> you got uh, any anything else you really like from Hocus Pocus? Yeah, one of my favorite parts towards the end is when, you know, they're all getting on their brooms, but Mary's got to hop on the vacuum and fly away. I, that's good. That That's good enough for a chuckle for me. That is funny. I, I do want to point something out about that later, but I'll save it. Okay, save it. So Jennifer's body... Clearly in watching this movie, you see it's written by a very talented writer. They have just a slew of funny one-liners. I think some that stand out to me when Adam Brody's character is talking to Jennifer after that fire. He says, do you want to head someplace safer like my van? It's the way he delivers it. Yeah. It harks back to your Halloween story trying to go children into coming to your house for candy only jennifer actually does it i do love the panic you know everyone's panicking and they're just already out there yeah casual yeah. like he's he's got a drink you're in shock here take the drink yeah. that part got me that's that was good and then needy is describing his character and i thought this insult was amazing she said he looked like a petrified tree such a good insult for somebody this movie takes place in devil's kettle Minnesota. And she definitely has the Midwesternisms. What does she say? Oh, cheese and fries. 
So after the fire, when they're in school and we're introduced to J.K. Simmons, he delivers a line so seriously. That is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard a teacher say in a movie. And that is when he says, now more than ever, put aside your teenage concerns about who's a cool dude or who's a hoe. (laughs) I laughed out loud at that part. It was so good. Also really liked when the one Green Day looking dude asks Jennifer to go see the Rocky Horror movie. And she says, I don't like boxing movies. <laughs> uh, shout out to my Another Rocky poster right behind me. And then in the climactic battle, when Jennifer raises out of the water. She can fly. She's just hovering. It's not that impressive. <laughs> so good. I love that line, too. It's so oh, good. Man. I will say that the whole demon vomit scene after eating the rotisserie chicken, I think that set me back from purchasing a Costco chicken for about a year. I don't think I'll be doing that. Yeah, that part was icky. Can I tell you my my favorite part of the movie? My favorite scene, I should say, is when Jennifer's retelling Needy. This is really what happened. And they're at the devil's kettle. They're about to do the sacrifice. He pulls out the piece of paper with the ritual. (laughs) And the other guy's like, that's it? He goes, yeah, I found it on the internet. Like, like you think like they have all the books in their van and like it's this whole big thing. Like, oh my goodness, they're summoning the devil and all this. He just has like a loose piece of paper. I love that. Adam Brody was really funny in this movie. He was very funny. Like, yeah, really like deadpan. Just, yeah, yeah, he got me. I love that. So I'm going to say for this round, as I was talking through my favorite quotes, you were audibly laughing out loud. I feel like I have to take this point. I laughed a lot. And I know a lot of the lines were like kind of supposed to be cheesy, but they work just like uh, Jennifer's lines. Like, like, oh, you're jello or like nice hardware <laughs> ace. Like those one liners are just like they got me every time. There's some like great scenes in Hocus Pocus and you can't discredit that. But Jennifer's body, maybe it's because it's geared more towards a grown up audience, but made me laugh way more. I think that this point has to go to Jennifer's body. Okay, two to nothing. Round three, better title, better soundtrack. Make your case for Hocus Pocus. Well, Hocus Pocus, we have our old friend John Debney back. I don't know if you remember him, but he did the score from The Replacements, which we've covered already. Oh, uh, I think he's our only crossover. I think he week. is our only crossover from this week. Um, the score is, it's great. You know, we're, we're not talking a soundtrack per se, like some of our other movies, but it's got the spooky in there. It's, it's very Halloween appropriate. It's so recognizable. I just played it the other day for my son. And it's so good. It just catches you right from the beginning because it's spooky, but it's playful. Kudos to him. It's really good. Yeah. And I think, too, you use a score versus actual songs soundtrack very differently. And I'm glad that they went this route. Yeah. I think it is more appropriate. Even the songs they used in this movie were fitting. It wasn't like needle drops. They were part of the action. Like when you're talking about, I put a spell on you when they perform it at the party, which is great because I mean, like, that's such a good scene, too. It's fitting that it's Halloween, so like these sisters can kind of walk around undetected, but they don't yeah. know that they're undetected. But and then also when Sarah Sanderson is singing that song from the broom, that's creepy, man. Do you want to sing it? Will you sing it for us? I uh, I don't know if I know the tune, so I'm not going to sing it. Come, little children, I'll take thee away. That was really good. See, when they did that part, I was like, man, they could have like 
dug into that you know oh, yeah. tone and like made this a really creepy movie i'm, I'm glad it spielberg would have yeah but i'm like that song was genuinely like give me chills I mean, like you said in the beginning, when you think about the concept of this movie, it's pretty dark. It is. And you can definitely see that with like definitely that opening scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they add the humor to lighten it up a bit. But yeah, it's definitely got some some of that. But also, Rob, something happens in this movie that you you love. Oh, tell me more. Max has a line. He just says, oh, come on. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. There's the title right there. Boom. I love it. That is pretty good. Let me talk about Jennifer's body kind of playing off what you said about the title. So when the band is about to commit the sacrifice, they say we commit this body of Jennifer in their ritual. Now, not quite the title, but pretty close. Actually, Jennifer's body is a song by the band Hole. That would not be on my top 10 list of band names. No, but some of the lyrics definitely relate to the plot of the movie. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that influenced the writer. I would have to think so. Me too. This movie had a ton of punk rock music. I do enjoy punk rock music a lot. I'm not going to break down the songs that are in it. Just Google the soundtrack. It's pretty good. I do want to talk about one thing here. Now, while this isn't exactly music in the movie, they do talk about a very famous musician. So when Needy and Chip are looking at pictures of the band before they go to their concert, um, and Chip says, which one is Jennifer stalking? And then Needy says, the lead singer. And then she says, girls like her don't go out with drummers. She'd probably make an exception if you were like a drummer who's also the lead singer. And then Chip says, like Phil Collins. And that just stood out to me because every single morning when I drive my kids to daycare, they ask me to play the drumming song for them, Mm. which is Phil Collins in the air tonight. That's the only. Yeah. They will sing the song. And when the drum beat kicks in, do the drumming action. It's so good. It still gets me fired up. I'm talking my five-year-old down to my one-and-a-half-year-old does it. He will move his hands when the drumming is happening. And uh, and it just makes me happy. So, Phil Collins, I know you won't ever listen to this, but shout out. You make my mornings happier. You're a good dad. You're a good dad, Kula. Ooh, love it. Call back. Hocus Pocus line. I feel like I have to be honest here, though. And as much as I like some of the punk rock music, I can't fight the score for Hocus Pocus and I can't fight the title. It's just so fitting. You hear Hocus Pocus, you know exactly what movie you're talking about. You hear I put a spell on you, you know it. It's iconic. I'm going to have to give Hocus Pocus the point here. I think Hocus Pocus was built for this category. Okay, two to one. Going into round four, biggest plot holes, cringiest moments, and random questions. Just a reminder, I will be talking about Hocus Pocus here. Alex will be talking about Jennifer's body. Okay. Let me throw some of the plot holes at you for Hocus Pocus. Probably the biggest one that I can think of is the Sanderson sisters are being really petty towards the end of the movie about only wanting to feed on the soul of Danny when there was legitimately 300 children outside of their house. (laughs) Yep. They were so mad that she called them ugly or something, and they were just hyper-focused. But I feel like you should probably be hyper-focused on staying alive. Stay alive, then go after the kid. Yeah. 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 So Binks could talk. Why didn't he talk to his dad right away? Or do you think over hundreds and hundreds of years, he learned how to talk? That's a good question. Yeah, you would th- you would think that he had the ability to talk immediately from the beginning because he sounded exactly like the human yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Would you be happy if your cat could talk? No, that's weird, man. No, 
I feel like growing up, I used to want my pet dogs to be able to talk. And now as an adult, I just need less words in my life. I need more quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that scene, the party scene with the parents when Max and Danny are trying to explain to them that they brought the Sanderson sisters back. And I think they set that up really well. However, if your child told you very seriously and emotionally that they brought these evil witches back, what would your response be? I would at least ask some follow-up questions. All right, like, let's break this down. Tell me what's going on again. I don't know, like, at first, like, yes, I'm in. Absolutely, this happened. Yeah, let's suss this out. Let's explore a little bit more. Okay, this is only something that people that live on the North Shore would recognize. But there's that flying shot when they're leaving Max and Danny's house after kidnapping Danny and Sarah Sanderson is starting to sing that song. And they're supposed to be flying away from downtown Salem to wherever their house was. However, when they show the flying shot, she's flying over the Atlantic Ocean towards Marblehead and not Salem. Now, Salem is on the other side of Marblehead, so technically they'd be flying towards Marblehead and Salem. That's just not the direction they would have been coming from unless they did like a massive loop around, which I guess could have happened off screen. The real reason I wanted to point out this flying scene, though, if you look closely at the ground from where they're flying, you can see a lighthouse. That lighthouse is on Marblehead Neck. That is actually where Krista and I got engaged. Shout out to Krista. What's up, Krista? Was it on the anniversary of Hocus Pocus being released? Ooh, when did you say Hocus Pocus was released? July 16th. Oh my gosh. We got engaged on July 17th. Oh my goodness. So we were we were one day from that anniversary. It's fate. Like subconsciously, I just I, I had subconsciously. that. I had watched that movie so many times as a kid <laughs> and just the that's lighthouse hilarious. was like in my head as that's the place I mean, you can see it. It's on. You're just like oh, drawn to it. Oh, wow. That's Man, phenomenal. We learn so much about ourselves through this podcast. We really do. Anyway. All right. I'm going to go on. Uh, okay. So Winifred at the end of the movie, she gets knocked off her broom and she's standing on hollowed ground. But they made a whole big deal about how she wasn't able to stand on hollowed ground. And they even made a point to cut to the sun before she turned to stone. So we know that she turned to stone because of the sun, not because of the ground. So why was she all of a sudden allowed to be on hollowed ground now? Yeah. And she even falls and she, yeah, she lands face down. Yeah. She gets up. I didn't get that either. No. This movie takes place on Halloween 1993, which was a Sunday. There wouldn't have been school on Sunday. And Max and Danny make a really big deal about Allison living in a super rich house. Maybe this is because I have purchased real estate on the North Shore of Massachusetts before, so this kind of stuff stands out to me. Their house was right on the water in Salem. I did a quick little search of some houses right on the water in Salem. So a four-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath house in Salem right now on the water, $950,000. A six-bedroom, four-bath, $1.65 million. A three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath, one million. That house was definitely three or four bedrooms, definitely at least two bathrooms. There was multiple floors to it. It was in good condition. They were rich themselves. They were rich. A few cringy things from Hocus Pocus. The bus driver's comments to the sisters didn't age too well. I know it was supposed to be over the top, but wasn't great. But the bus driver was also the only person that attempted a Boston accent in the entire movie. It wasn't great, but he was the only one, which was kind of surprising. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It, it did stick out when I heard him. Yeah. The bullies are just kind of cringy all around. No one calls them Nike cross trainers. 
Sarah Jessica Parker has a couple lines in this where she references the like high school aged boys saying she wants to play with them, which uh, is gross. Poor choice of words. Yeah, I don't think she meant anything by it, but really weird choice of words. Thackeray Binks at the end says to Danny as he's departing this life. I will always be with you, Danny. Why? You knew her for like eight hours. If I'm Thackeray, Danny was treating me just like a cat. And it's like, I'm yep. a, I know I've been a cat for hundreds of years, but I'm a real boy. I'm right. a real boy. <laughs> I'm a real boy. All right. I have a list of random questions. I'm just going to read off. I don't actually want answers. What was the age cutoff for a child in that ritual? The Sanderson sisters say that they met Satan. So why did a guy dressed up in a terrible Halloween costume fool them into thinking that he was the devil? Are we supposed to believe that the devil has like sequins around his cape and stuff? They are shown leaving high school and it is called Jacob Bailey High School in the real world. It is just called Salem High School. I don't know why they feel like they needed to change the name of that. That wasn't actually Salem High School. That was a different school in Salem they used. When the witches are brought back and they're chasing Max and Allison and Danny, they taunt Max by saying, oh, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus in reference to him saying it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. But he said that before he lit the candle. So they would not have been brought back from the dead at that point. How would they have known he said it? So are the brooms magical or are the witches? We see that the witches leave their brooms outside of Satan's house. And then these little kids come and take the brooms and we hear the sound effects. They're flying away. But then later on, we see the Sanderson sisters use a broom mop and a vacuum, and then they can fly on those. So what is it? Is it the brooms are magical or the sisters are magical? Speaking of the vacuum, when Mary Sanderson was flying it, why was it turned on? There was no electricity. And then I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast about sports cities, but in the entirety of Salem, Massachusetts, which you and I know is a huge sports town, I didn't see any Red Sox, Celtics, or Patriots gear. Nothing. No one dressed up as a baseball player for Halloween. No one in a Larry Bird jersey. Like, what's going on? In 1993, I wore pretty much just Bruin stuff. Yeah. I would have been in the movie in the background wearing my Bruin starter jacket. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bring it on. What do you got for Jennifer's body? I mean, we're not looking at many plot holes here. Definitely not at the uh, amount that... Hocus Pocus had. Um, you did mention, though, that she found the knife, and she found that at the end of wherever Devil's Kettle empties out to, which I thought was weird because they make it a point to talk about all these experiments and stuff, and they throw stuff down there and it's never come out, and then she just kind of finds it on the side of the road with a bunch of those orange balls that they also threw down. I was kind of wondering, because a lot of water goes into that hole or whatever it is, and... Um... The area where she found the knife and the balls, that would be flooded if there was that much water coming out. And it was like just right there. Yeah. They obviously invested a lot of money and resources into this. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. There it is. You know, yeah. like uh, it not it doesn't really affect the plot. Well, don't you also think, I mean, this is 2009. This movie came out. They definitely would have had tracking devices that they could have put into that Absolutely. to figure out where things came out. Like, we have these orange ping pong balls and we're going <laughs> to see where they come out. It's like what? And if it's not right there, yeah. then oops <laughs> yeah oh man okay 
and then getting to the actual ritual itself. I mean, the whole ritual centers around the fact that you sacrifice a virgin. But in this case, she wasn't. So it ended up being worse. You know, like the outcome was worse. Like it paid off for them. But like then they created this monster that lives forever. It's almost like, okay, you sold your soul. This is your payment. But they didn't fulfill their payment, but they still got what they wanted. It's yeah. like it should have backfired on them. I mean, ultimately, I guess it does, but not for this reason. Yeah, no. We got some cringy stuff that maybe didn't age well. Maybe this is just a sign of the times. But, you know, they mentioned MySpace. They mention the Wikipedia. Obviously, the phones, the technology is very outdated. They definitely use some slurs that don't age well. Slurs that, you know, it's a good thing that it people don't use them anymore. It's still when I hear them, it's like, ooh. I will defend the movie in this sense by saying I know that it was written specifically to be alarming i think they wanted to get that reaction out of people however even if you're doing it for that purpose it's still really alarming and stands out yeah. and makes you yeah. be like oh wow I'd... yeah all right i got some random questions for you uh opening scene kind of setting the setting the mood there's a horse in their yard i was waiting for that to come back and it just didn't maybe there's a deleted scene out there somewhere maybe who knows why did they always have to give the girl glasses to make her uncool? I don't know. Uh, it's such a movie trope. There are plenty of really cool girls out there that wear glasses. Yeah, just because you can't see as well doesn't make you uncool. <laughs> yeah. Right? I love this detail, but I just want to know why J.K. Simmons' character didn't have a hand. I kind of need to know why. <laughs> I need to know. It was so great. Like, when he <laughs> just so out of the blue, he just hands up a tissue with a with the hook hand. And I was just like, that's awesome. I don't know why, but that's great. They never really explained the mental connection. The mental, like, how did she know? And they never explained that. Right. Yeah. They, when they went out of their way to explain the other stuff. Yeah. Also, just happened to find a library book that spells out the whole thing for you i don't think most school libraries carry occult books i love that didn't they have like a call out like oh i was yeah. checking the occult section we have an occult section like, well, yeah it was a funny <laughs> line great. i love that i love that yeah but exactly like here's the book it was a funny line but it it's not realistic exactly still good stuff though all right you got to be honest. I gave you a list of like a thousand things. Okay. I don't think I have just anything I can hold up against this. I, I can have to concede this category. All right. Jennifer's body takes a 3-1 lead uh, heading yeah. into round five. Our miscellaneous question of the episode. Who was dumber? Max from Hocus Pocus or the Green Day looking guy and Chip from Jennifer's body? So this is another one of those rounds where the movie that has the dumber character will actually lose the point. Correct. Okay. We mentioned earlier, these movies are very different in genre, but there is a common theme, and that is that teenage boys are very dumb. So in Hocus Pocus, we've got Max who lights the candle to try to impress Allison. And in Jennifer's body, Jennifer convinces multiple guys to go to secluded places with her during time periods where teenage guys are going missing. So tell me, was Max dumber or the guys from Jennifer's body? I'm going to have to say the guys from Jennifer's body. I mean, Mac, the cat even knocked him away from the candle and he even went back to it. Max was involved with solving the issue. So I kind of have to give him a, a little bit props there. But yeah, I mean, the guys from 
Jennifer's body, like you said, they know they're the target for whatever is happening. And then even when that kid pulls up to the clearly abandoned place and has to climb through the window, like that's not raising any alarms. Like maybe I shouldn't go in here. I think this just shows how desperate teenage guys are to try to get some. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is the most haunted looking abandoned house ever, but I might get a little. So I'll risk it. I'm going to risk it. Can't be that bad. That's why they make tetanus shots. That's why. I think actually what's worse, though, is Chip at the end of the movie. So Needy clearly lays out everything that's happening and says Jennifer is attacking and killing all of these people. And he still is like, well, but it's Jennifer. I mean, come on. If you were even 25 percent unsure of that happening to you, are you even risking it? No. I mean, like once someone puts it out there, are you like kind of on edge? Yeah. This is crazy, but like (laughs) that's still stopping me from doing anything jennifer's body definitely made me feel better about myself and the fact that in high school girls did not throw themselves at me because what this movie showed me was that when girls do that uh you get eaten so you know for all you uh young men out there this is a great lesson yeah which do you think would be a worse way to die to have your soul sucked out of your body after eating a dead man's toe or a painful disembowelment but at least you got to make out with megan fox before it happened Uh, i mean the disembowelment sounds pretty rough yeah it's weird to say i'd rather have my soul sucked out no i think i would be really happy about the making out part but then we saw that chip was still alive after he had been kind of like eaten a little bit that's painful that seems very painful even if you're in shock i mean that's the soul sucking while terrible seemed to hurt a lot less yeah yeah they weren't in agony I think I'm going to have to say that the guys from Jennifer's body were way dumber because they had fair warning. Max, you could chalk it up to it just being a ghost story that the town of Salem manufactured to try to draw tourism. The Jennifer's body stuff, it's like there's kind of like a serial killer on the loose and you guys are you're not being safe. For Max, I mean, they're in a museum. Yeah. If I'm in his shoes, I'm probably not believing it either. Yeah. yeah. You know, being pretty skeptical. And like I said, he helped solve the problem in the end. He did. Also, I kind of blame the museum. Why are you keeping that candle? That's a good point. And in the spell book, I guess I, I can see 300 years later. Well, whatever. It's just a candle. But like right at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't they have gotten rid of that? Wouldn't thing? they've just burned that whole house to the ground? Right? I don't know. Yeah, right? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Hocus Pocus takes that round. So three to two going into round six. Better trivia. Alex will say one, then I will say one, and we will decide who we like more at the end. So first up, I have the moths that come out of Billy Butcherson's mouth are actually real. They're not CGI. The actor wore what was called a mouth rig, uh, and an animal wrangler would pass several moths into the pocket with tweezers, and then the stitches would be glued shut. That is horrifying, but I really love the commitment. I have the waterfall that goes nowhere in Devil's Kettle is actually located at Judge Magny State Park in Minnesota, and the water actually disappears into a glacial pothole, which I don't know what it is, but I'm sure some people do. It sounds very scientific and official. All right, so I have, while researching her family history, after the fact, Sarah Jessica Parker discovered that her 10th great-grandmother, a lady by the name of Esther Elwell, was arrested in Salem, Massachusetts in the late 1600s for committing sundry acts of witchcraft and choking a neighbor to death. Esther's case never did go to court. She escaped with her life, and the accusation ended the Salem witch trials. 
that is interesting. The witchcraft part of that I can look past. How did she get away with choking her neighbor to death? Yeah, I don't know. Just didn't make the docket, I guess. Good lawyer. You know what they say about those 1690s lawyers? Yeah, they were phenomenal. Sharks. <laughs> I have that Amanda Seyfried, who played Needy, auditioned for the role of Michaela Barnes in the Transformers movie, the role that actually went to Megan Fox and launched her career. Oh, interesting. Another Sarah Jessica Parker fact, she revealed that in the scene where she says she eats a spider, she actually ate the spider. Uh, seems a little overkill, but, you know, good for her. Method acting. <laughs> Last thing I have is that Adam Brody and Chris Pratt also starred together on the television series The O.C. four years before this film was released. And anytime I can give a shout out to The O.C., I'm going to shout it out. You do that. Allison's house in Hocus Pocus is only two doors down from the original witch house. Uh, I actually know exactly where we're talking about. Field trip. Okay, in the spirit of the holiday, I'm going to have to admit that your trivia was way more interesting than mine. There's some good stuff in here. The connection Sarah Jessica Parker has yeah. to the actual events is pretty cool. The moth thing, it just shows how different filmmaking was 30 years ago. It's just like cool. I always like learning cool ways of how they make a shot work yeah. with certain resources. That was a fun one. All right, so we're all tied up, heading into round seven. Better story, better script, more fun. Okay, Alex, what can you tell me here? I mean, this is really where it comes down to. The overall everything, put everything together. Where are we at? I enjoyed Jennifer's body a lot. It's funny. I laughed out loud. We talked about some of the lines. You know, it's genuinely funny. Even in the parts that are written to be overly cheesy and stuff, they work. It's written very well. Hocus Pocus, though, it's just fun. There's some plot holes, one, two, or ten that we've covered. <laughs> but man, it's just such a fun movie. It really is. Jennifer's body is great. I really enjoyed it. Hocus Pocus is just classic. People are going to look at this episode and ask how we can even compare these two movies. And I think we did a good job of laying out the similarities. When it comes down to it, there's a reason why Hocus Pocus has a C Equal, and then has a third movie, which was just recently announced coming out. The theme of our podcast is fun over fresh. And while Jennifer's Body to me is definitely a funnier movie, Hocus Pocus is a more fun movie. And while I don't want to lose another matchup, I really can't in good conscience say that Jennifer's Body is better than Hocus Pocus here. Yeah, I think what's really interesting in doing this format that we're doing is watching these movies pretty close to each other and then a few days later there's usually one that kind of still sticks with you and it's fun to do two movies of similar themes and while jennifer's body technically isn't halloween you know we still have the spooky and the horror comedy kind of aspect to it i just found myself when i you know recap the movies just hocus pocus just connected with it a little bit more maybe because it is a little lighter in the end but for me that's the one that takes it okay hocus pocus wins the halloween movie matchup congrats alex you have now taken a three games to one lead in the series. No lead is safe. No, no lead is safe. Do you have any closing thoughts before we head into our rankings? My closing thoughts are just, I like Halloween. I'm excited for Halloween. I like Halloween too. I hope everybody listening to this has a great Halloween. I hope my kids have a great Halloween. And I hope they keep making Halloween movies and TV shows because they're really, really fun. I want to see more 
Halloween themed movies and TV shows kind of in this light where you kind of you have the comedy. Yes. To back up some of the horror. Okay. What is your re-rankings? My re-rankings. I am going to give Hocus Pocus an 82 and I'm going to give Jennifer's Body a 71. Wow. We were almost spot on. I gave Hocus Pocus an 83 and Jennifer's Body a 71. We don't even compare these beforehand. No, we don't. This is fun. I like that. Yeah, it's good. This has been the Halloween episode of the Movie Showdown with Rock and Rob. Make sure to like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And follow us on all the socials at Rock and Rob Show. Until next time, peace. I'm out of here. See ya. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Bye, Felicia. That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Hasta la vista, baby.